0: Welcome back to Ascend Student Ministries Anchor Podcast. Today we're in Romans chapter 4. It reads, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who has works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, His faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessings of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised, or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believed without being circumcised, so that the righteousness would be counted to them as well, and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised." For the promise to Abraham and his who his offspring, that he would be the heir of the world, did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is to the adherents of the law who are able to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. Not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations, in the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope he believed against hope, that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered how his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in Him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. All right, Ursula, so here as we make this transition in chapter 4, I want to start with just by asking a question. Hey, why are we going to Abraham here? in that we haven't been talking about him in the previous chapter. All of a sudden, we've been walking through the law, we've been talking about these different things, and he wants us to jump all the way back to Abraham, and I'm sure there's a reason for that. Help us see what that is.
1: Yeah, so chapter 4 is really all about the faith of Abraham, and what's Paul doing here? Uh, we had just finished chapter three, uh, as you said, and it's really we're talking about the law, but really we are justified by faith apart from the works of law. It says that in 328. And then let's jump down. one. starts with, what then shall we say was gained by Abraham? Well, who's Abraham? Well, Abraham is all the way back in Genesis, right? And so we are looking at justification apart from the law. And Abraham was the first one, right, called out of the Ur of the Chaldeans. And for those of you who don't know where that is, that's actually modern-day Iraq. And what's even cooler about that is where he was called out of and asked to go without knowing where he was going, it says in Genesis. The Ur of the Chaldeans is in a, a region called Mesopotamia. And that is where the cradle of civilization actually started. That's where the start of agriculture, where people started living in villages. I mean, that's what they call civilization. So he is like one of the first people in civilizations, not the first human per se, but we're talking in civilization. He was called out of that, right, and to go and... Really what this Abraham is, is he's an illustration of what it is to live by faith and not by works. And if you start to look, it says in verse 3, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. But when did he believe God? Did he believe God before the law or after the law? Because we're right back to if justification is by faith apart from the law, then the law had nothing to do with it. Well, you have to kind of get into circumcision then. That was the law he was asked to keep. And that was the law that he was to keep and um, to signify that he was a follower of Christ. But the law didn't make him saved. In fact, he actually didn't get circumcised until years and years after his belief was accredited to him as righteousness. So again, it says in chapter 4, belief came before the law. Faith came before the law. So why circumcision? Why would God say, I still want you to get circumcised? Why would he even do that? I mean, come on now. But here's the thing. It's because the Lord wanted a sign, an outward sign of an inward heart condition. That's all circumcision was. That's what the law was meant to do. That's why it says, verse 31 in chapter 3, "...do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law." Why? Because we love Jesus Christ. And we think of how he justified us. I have this inner heart condition. Now I want to fulfill the law. I want to not harm my neighbor. I want to love the Lord, my God, above all else. I don't want to covet. I don't want to do those things because of my love and faith in Christ. Those things of the law do not give me my faith.
0: So, yeah, I guess that makes sense on why we jump all the way back to Abraham. Because if we go back to Moses, he's still in the law. And if we're in the law, then we're still wrestling with this thing. And Paul's saying, hey... Let's set this whole law thing aside by going back to a guy that we can look at what the scriptures say specifically about him to show that the purpose of the law was not for gaining or meriting salvation. And he keeps going back to use these terms of justification by faith. We see that over and over here in this chapter. But another thing that's interesting here with Abraham... That's something that I think could be easily misunderstood is when we look down at verse 13, and it says "Therefore, for the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. What does it mean to be heir of the world. I think we can get lost in that and how some people have maybe interpreted that too. So help us to understand that. We've talked about inheritance and those types of terms before, but what does it mean to be an heir of the world?
1: Yeah, I think that can be a really confusing verse. So what is an heir? That's somebody who inherits something, right? Sometimes, you know, if a relative dies, you become an heir of their estate, you know, the land they owned or something like that. And that's really what is being said here for the promise to Abraham and his offspring. So it wasn't just to Abraham, it was also to his offspring. They would be heir of the world. And again, it's pointing back to the fact that it wasn't through the law, it was by faith. So one of the things that Abraham was shown in Genesis is the Lord literally took him out. Imagine this. Took him out and said, look at all the stars imagining the Lord putting his arm around your shoulder and saying, look up at all the stars and so shall your offspring be, right? And one of the things it says in Galatians is that the promises that were actually spoken to Abraham and his seed or his offspring, right? But it doesn't say and to seeds, meaning many people, but to and to your seed, it says there, meaning one person, and that one person is revealed as Christ in Galatians three sixteen. So, if we start to look at this, they would be heir of the world. Well, who's going to be heir of the world at the very end? We're studying Revelation right in on Sundays, and you are seeing God of the universe. He is going to redeem this world, and He will be heir. The deed title will be handed to him. He will be handed a scroll, which I believe is the deed to this world. And he is the rightful heir because he has overcome the world.
0: Yeah. And so with that, I mean, as we think about that and wrestle with that truth, then because we are then heirs of his kingdom, we experience those blessings that we do experience that in some way because we are then sons of God brothers with Christ, but yet he still has his special place as the firstborn of all creation. And so what I think a lot of people look at this and they get like, no, like the world is ours. Like we get all these things and it's not really what he's talking about because we know right now who is the world's Satan. Satan has the world right now and he has it and he's doing with it what he wants. That's why we experience so much pain and suffering and so many of the effects of sin. And so I thought that's important for us to draw out here because If you interpret that wrong or poorly, it can really mess with how you think reality is. And that's why when we look at the scriptures, we want to interpret them as the author intended so that we can understand what God is trying to communicate to us. So as you read through this passage, as you think about the questions that you have, that's why it's so important to answer those questions rightly. If you're not doing that, you're not growing in your understanding and can even be swayed into believing other things. So as you find those questions, answer those questions within the community of believers with the tools that you have so that you are growing in your understanding of God each day. Know today you were loved.